Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Sports Beat After Hours. Brrr. I am your host, Hemahe Mooley Jr. And joining me as always, the local lovable Canuck himself, Zach Hicken. What's up, Hema? I'm still uh, recovering from <laughs> last night at uh, down in Provo at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Man, that was cold, but it wasn't as cold as uh, Maverick Stadium up in Logan where you were last night. Dude, it was... I think for everybody, even the people at the Utah game, just everyone got soaked. Everyone was freezing, but everyone won. Yes. So was that worth it? It was a perfect day for sports in the state of Utah, besides Southern Utah. But yeah. hey, let's let's not talk about it. Sorry, McKay. BYU wins. Utah wins. Utah State wins. Weber State wins. Mm-hmm. Real Salt Lake wins, and we're looking forward to some Jazz wins. Starting on Wednesday, so oh, yes. it's a big week. Um, we're going to be having you guys all covered, every angle, every platform that you can imagine, podcasts, on our website, kslsports.com, on mm. TV and on radio. Um, this is the best time of the year for sports. This we is when it. it's really picking up. Yes. And we love it. Yes, we love it. It keeps us busy. It's not like the dog days of summer where we're trying to come up with storylines of how many rushing yards will BYU's third-string running back have this year? No, this is like the real nitty-gritty like facts that we're going out. No fake news. Yep. And you can get it all on kslsports.com. We're brought to you by kslsports.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just wrapped up Sports Beat and uh, recording a quick little podcast because, Hema, you're actually flying out of town. You're going back east to the East Coast, baby. Yes, sir. I'm going to Philly to chill with my family. Uh, my uncle Vi Sikahema, he has a name drop. Name drop, boom! Yeah, he's got this charity that I'm gonna attend. I'm gonna help out over there, play the guitar, play some music out in the East Coast. So, if any of you guys listening live out in the East Coast, live around Philly or New Jersey, hit me up. I'd love to say hi. Whatever. Um, buy this man a cheesesteak. <laughs> buy me a steak. Buy all the steaks for your boy. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be fun. So we're trying to get this podcast of the ground so much happened this weekend i don't think we have enough room in one podcast anyways to no cover we're gonna break stuff. it out we're gonna record a couple episodes this week because um not only did we have everything that happened last night 
Okay, we have high school playoffs coming up, which I would love to talk about everything that transpired with oh, that, yeah. but we don't have time for it. We got FPI stuff to sort out. RPI. Oh, RPI. RPI. Yeah, FPI yeah, is the ESPN thing. That sorry. All the Utah fans got mad about Kyle. <laughs> Kyle Ireland. Shout out to Kyle. Oh, uh, they funny. got mad for him pointing out facts. But, but anyways, yeah, RPI, first year that high school football is happening now. So that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, um, we got the RSL playoff game in Seattle on Wednesday. We're yep. going to be there. We got the Jazz home opener, season opener. On Wednesday against the Thunder. And of course we're going to be there. It's just across the street. We're going to have like five people there. We're going to be blowing the coverage out of the water. Second game of the season against the Lake Show Mm. on Friday. That's on the road. And we got high school football. First round of the playoffs are Friday. And then we got Utah and Cal. Um, Utah State is at Air Force this weekend. So um, lots to cover this upcoming week. But yeah, so we just kind of want to basically what we're going to do today it's going to be all sports. We're, we don't really have time to p- talk pop culture because we haven't no. had time to look at any pop culture. We're going to go see the Joker on Friday, actually. Yeah. Didn't work out, though. Got we were super busy. busy. But, um, you know, we had a lot to do, a lot, lot to talk about. So, uh, yeah, why don't we just get into it? First off, let's hit up your game, Zach, that you went to because uh, great news for Kalani fans. Um BYU was able to get that win. Yeah, I think it's the game that probably has the most buzz right now. Um, it was like the last game to finish. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though the Utah State game kicked off a little bit later with all the challenges and everything, all the drama that went down to the wire mm-hmm. in the BYU-Boise State game, I think it ended up finishing a little bit later. But anyway, um, yeah, kind of a wild night. Um, you don't expect a team that goes out and starts its third string right tackle true freshman, third-string quarterback, Jeez. redshirt freshman, and fourth-string running back, redshirt freshman, Insane. to beat the number 14 team in the entire country. But they did. And you know what? I think a lot of it comes down to, um, I think there was ownership from the players after that loss against South Florida. Um, I think that they realized, hey, you know what? We're playing like crap. We're going to cost this man that we love, Kalani Satake, his job because we are giving away games. And they they love him. They love him, and it's so evident. I mean, you look at the press conference from last Monday leading in the Boise State game. The way Chaz Ayu and Bracken Bakri were talking about him, mm-hmm. like, there isn't anyone that those guys love more than Kalani Satake. For sure. If it wasn't for Kalani Satake, we don't have Chaz Ayu, and he might be the next great BYU linebacker. For sure. Um, if we don't have... if. Kalani Satake's not at BYU, then there's no Zach Wilson at BYU. Exactly. If there's no Kalani Satake at BYU, you can name a long list of guys that came to BYU specifically for Kalani Satake and the relationships that they have, and each of them feel that they have a personal relationship with him. And, yeah, it was was evident after the game in in what Isaiah Kafusi said is, um, we play for Kalani. Every single player, all 123 players on this roster, they play for Kalani. We love him. Um, there's not one of us who dislikes him, even though people are saying bad things about him, about him possibly not having his job. We go out, we play for Kalani, we win for Kalani. And they got that win for Kalani, and it was a big one. Um, and it was, it looked rough from the beginning. I mean, Baylor, Romney, BYU's offense. So Boise State scores on its first drive. Yeah, BYU goes out, and its very first play... Baylor Romney turns to the right to hand the ball off. Mm-hmm. 
and Sione Finau's running left. And so it's, it's just like, like oh, oh man, great. this is going to be a long night. Yeah. But it, you know, they actually got their stuff together. They actually um, scored on that opening drive. They got some help from a couple of Boise State penalties. Baylor Romney, though, I'm impressed with him. Very composed. Hmm. He's a playmate. He's a gamer. Yeah. I mean, he went out and he impressed me. Threw for like 221 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, BY, the biggest difference was the scheme change in the defense, the offensive play calling. There was um, a lot of improvement. Mm-hmm. Uh, some changes personnel-wise. Dion Gunwalaku moves from corner to safety. And he was in the backfield for Boy, uh, in Boise State's backfield all day. He had a sack, tackle for loss. Uh, BYU instead of just bringing three guys, they were really creative with their with their blitzes, mm-hmm. um, bringing four, five, six guys a couple times into the backfield and. They got really good pressure, and uh, Chase Cord, I believe it was his first start after Bachmeyer got hurt last week. Um, it was his first start, and they ha- kind of had him rattled a little bit at certain times of the game. Threw a couple picks. Uh, he was picked off by a pair of brothers, Isaiah and Jackson Kafusi. Yeah, so cool. Which was pretty cool. First time that brothers have had interceptions um, in BYU football history. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then on the offensive side of the ball, we talked about you know, all the new faces that were playing in that game. A lot of freshmen getting some serious playing time and performing very well. Uh, we also saw Jeff Grimes move from the booth down to the field. Um, he was a little bit more involved with the offensive line in between offensive series. Mm. Um, maybe he was a little bit less involved with the <laughs> offensive play calling. I don't know. We didn't see hmm. a single jet sweep the entire game, which Ugh. is kind of his staple. Yeah. But... Overall, a really good performance. This is a performance that BYU needed. It could be, and I've said this before, I said this about the USC game. The USC game could have been a defining performance for BYU in the Kalani Satake era. Yeah. I think that this Boise State win, if they're able to capitalize on it, it's a big if because they have a big rivalry game against Utah State. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a It's a game that BYU can capitalize on and get momentum and you know, if BYU beats Utah State, I could see them running the table for the rest of the season. Now, that's a tall task, especially with uh, Utah State has all of its grad transfers back on the They're offensive all side of the ball. And they played great. You were at that game yesterday yep. up in Logan. Um, the Utah State game, just like the Provo game, was freezing. It was like a blizzard. See, and there. it wasn't a blizzard down in Provo. It was just wet. Yeah. And then it froze. And so okay. I was like soaked through. And uh, yeah, it just, it sucked. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it, a blizzard rolled through uh, Maverick Stadium, but just like the first part. And then after it cleared up, it was it was actually pretty good conditions. Um, but you're right. All of the, uh, all of the big hitters on Utah State were back. Um, COC Mariner got lots of playing time, made some big catches. Um, let's see. Jalen Warren was back. He was running all over the field. I think he averaged like six yards a carry. Um, yeah. But Gerald Bright, our boy, our guy. G. Bright? G. Bright. He had, he averaged like eight eight yards a carry. Eight and a half. Yeah. Had two touchdowns. Like 15, for, 15 carries for like 200 something yards. 126. Oh, 100. You're giving some of Josh Davies. Oh, that's Josh right. Davis I'm, is, I'm mixing them up. Sorry, Josh Davis. We'll get yards. to Ogden. Uh, South Ogden. In the second. Okay. Um, but uh yeah, Gerald Bright did great. Jordan Love, um, 
Jordan Love played really well, but his numbers don't necessarily reflect it because through the whole game, the offense just kept dropping passes. His QBR was 27.4. That's very important. It's so... He is not the best quarterback in the state. No, now. it's 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 without a question. Baylor Romney, 15 for 26, 54.6 <laughs> QBR. Um, Jordan Love did manage the clock well, though, and um, the offense got it done. Uh, the defense, however, they really got it done. Um, they basically held um, Nevada to three points. It was most of the game they had three points, and then at the very, very end they ran in a touchdown. Um, and, uh, yeah, let's look at some of these, these numbers for the defense. Okay. Two interceptions, nine pass deflections, three sacks, six tackles for loss. Insane. That's really impressive. Um, yeah. And so everyone balled out. It was, I, and I tweeted this that night as soon as I left or right before I left the stadium. Um, Utah state had a near complete game. And what I mean by that is, they scored on special teams. They scored on defense. They scored on offense in the air and running. And the only thing that, you know, wasn't really great. And Gerald Bright said this at the end in the press conference was the offense took a while to get clicking. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's why I called it a near complete game. But um, yeah, I knew it was going to be a good name uh, game. Sorry, because um, Nevada had the ball first. They drive down, couldn't get it in. They scored a kick. Um, and then that kickoff, they kick it right to Savon Scarver, who goes 99 yards for a touchdown. Dude was insane. It looked like he was jogging. Yeah, he's out ridiculous. There. I it looked like he was jogging. And he just made it look so easy. Um so yeah, great game, great win for the Aggies. Um not surprised that they won. But um glad they did. It was a great, it was an enjoyable game. Yeah, and coming up this week, they have a game against Air Force. They're on the road against Air Force. Um, oddly, that was like one of their toughest games that they struggled in last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Air Force this year is five and two, uh, coming off of a win against Hawaii, also beat Fresno State. Um, the two losses are against Boise State and Nevada. So um it's tough. I mean Boise State's, or excuse me, Air Force is a tough team to play um, just because of the triple option. And, yeah. Um, yeah, if you remember last year, the Utah State Air Force game, it was a 42-32 to 32 win um, for the Aggies. And they had to score late a couple times mm-hmm. to get that win. I think it, it was like 32-28 late in that game. So um, definitely looking forward to that. Uh, but also... Let's talk about um, Utah's big win against Arizona State because yeah, uh, it was kind of a weird game because just because of the the conditions, mm-hmm. um, and Utah pretty much dominated in all aspects of this game, but it wasn't a clean game from the Utes. Right. Uh, Tyler Huntley threw his first interception of the season. Um, Utah had four turnovers. Fumbled the ball three times, or excuse me, fumbled the ball, yeah, three times, lost all three of them. Yeah. But they just got it done. The defense buckled down. They were in the backfield all day. Bradley and I, three sacks on the day. Sheesh. Held Jaden Daniels, the once former future Ute, uh, four for 18 for 25 yards and a pick. 
His QBR was 4.6. Oh, that's hilarious. He had 16 carries for eight yards. Wow. Yeah, they just dominated. Uh, Eno Benjamin, one of the best running backs in the Pac-12. Utah held him to only 104 yards on 15 carries. Uh, Any touchdowns? No touchdowns. They didn't score touchdowns. 21 to three. So, oh, Uh, Zach Moss though, um, kind of a tough grinded out game for him. 25 carries for 99 yards, two touchdowns, including the uh, 32 yarder that was the uh, gave him the all time leading rushing yards and also tied most. um, He's tied now for the most rushing touchdowns in Utah football history. Um, Oh, he is. Yeah, yeah. So he's tied. He he's the leading. All-time leading rusher in terms of yards, uh, tied for the lead with touchdowns. Um, strong performance, though. So there are some weeks that you're going to have performances like that where you just got to win yeah. any way you can. Yes. Um, and this team showed that it is a force to be reckoned with on defense. Um, they can get it done on offense, but there were still some concerns. Right. Zach Moss left the game with an injury on a targeting call. Mm. Uh, Tyler Huntley got hurt, was grabbing that. his knee, um, and struggled. That's the reason he threw the interception, in my opinion, is just mm-hmm. because of the pain that he was dealing with. He came back in the game, was later replaced. Um, so they have Cal this week. Cal's looking a little less and less formidable as the weeks go by. They've lost three straight. That's crazy. They lost to Arizona State. Oregon and now Oregon State, Ooh. who uh, Utah just blew out last <laughs> week. So um, I don't know. You uh, Cal, I mean, week two they upset Washington and look like they might be a contender yeah. for the Pac-12 North, and now they're just sliding and sliding. I think Utah can win this game without Tyler Huntley. Yeah, if they have to, I I would say Utah probably should. Rest Huntley and try and get him back for that Washington game yeah. in Seattle. Sure. Um, and then if he makes it through that, they have a bye and then UCLA. I think Cal will be – they won't be a pushover because – They're a good defensive their team. Their defense is very, very good. Yeah, but – But you – like like you're probably going to say, like Utah's offense, we, we know how deep they are. Well, and the thing is, too, is that they can play ball control and just mm-hmm. hold the ball away from Cal. I mean, if they pick up – yards on the ground because all they're going to do is hand the ball off 40 times yeah and with the the slew of running backs that they have control the clock mm. um keep it away from cal's offense and just do what they can to uh i mean all they need to do is get a win it doesn't right. matter if it's nine to three or 52 to 10 yeah. you know as long as they get the win that's what matters because um you need a big offensive performance against Washington. You don't need it against Cal. Exactly. And, like, you know, Utah's defense is, like, one of the top scoring defenses in the nation. So you just need an offense that will go out there, control the clock, get it done. They don't have to put up huge numbers because I guarantee the defense will score once or twice. Yeah, they're going to force turnovers. I mean, Cal, like I said, Cal's struggling. Utah's an 88.1% favorite according to FPI. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, I, I, I don't see any way that the Utes lose this game, even if Drew Lisk or Jason Shelley gets the start. Mm-hmm. Um, Drew Lisk actually is kind of surprisingly passed up Jason Shelley for the backup, according yeah. to Kyle Whittingham on the radio post game. He said that 
uh, Drew Lisk is now the backup, which, hey, props to Drew for mm-hmm. passing up Jason. Jason was really good last year for, for, sure. for the Utes down the stretch. Uh, very different quarterbacks. Um, I, I think see... I think Drew probably fits this offense a little right. bit more. And that's what I was, was going to say. But, you know, Jason Shelley, we've seen how serviceable he is, like, last season. So, again, Utah depth. It's unbeatable. Um, same with, you know, I would say rest uh, Zach Moss, too. Like, don't even – you got a slew of – a full stable of running backs that are more than capable of doing the job. And so, um, yeah, rest Zach. Um, anything else? About the Utes? Uh, no, I think that's all we have for the okay. Utes. Um, they're Sweet. up to number 12 in the country. Okay. Um, but, yeah, speaking of big-time running backs, how about this performance from Josh Davis at Weber State? You were up there, Emma. Yeah, it was great. Great, great, great. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was also raining there, so I got soaking wet at that game. But I was able to see firsthand Josh Davis just freaking destroying people. Um, I told you this when I got in today, Josh Davis is like a FCS Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> like the way he runs is just, he keeps his legs pumping. He go he was going over people around people through people. Um, but he was not the only running back getting it done up there. I was surprised more about, well, well, Oh, do you want to? I want to just talk about his stats for a second. We, okay. We kind of buried the lead. Sure, he rushed for 328 numbers. yards and four touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. But insane granted, performance. Granted, they kept it on the ground a lot because it was pouring rain. But four touchdowns from anybody is insane. Yeah. Um, and as you're saying, he wasn't the only one that got it done. Right. Chris was, Jackson had a big game, too. Chris. That's his name. Chris Jackson, this big dude, just trucking people right and left. I think he had how many touchdowns? Two or three? Three touchdowns, yeah. 22 carries for 111 yards. Insane. Um, so they definitely got it done. I was impressed. Uh, Weber State looks really good. And NAU, I, I don't know if I don't know if Jay Hill's ever beat NAU, actually. It's the first time he's beat him. Yeah. So NAU's no pushover. Um, yeah, I was just really impressed. Weber State did a great job. I, I'm also impressed. Did you see it? Have you been up to Weber State lately? No, I know that they just did their new um, football complex, though. Yeah, beautiful. Looks great. Um, it's crazy going to, like, we were state, what is it, D, no, Echo, I don't know, something, stadium, I don't know what the Stewart name Stadium. Stewart Stadium. Yeah. Looking at Stewart Stadium and then going up to Maverick Stadium, these are nice stadiums that have, like, new pieces in it, um, and I just wish... All the schools in Utah had new facilities. And yeah, stuff. yeah, I agree. I know who you're talking about, but uh, we were Anyways. state. Um, they are on the road against UC Davis next week. So mm. uh, go beat the Aggies, Wildcats! Great, 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 great. Um, but yeah, great slew of college football this weekend. Um, and uh, now that's kind of. Got to share the spotlight a little bit with the Jazz. So let's mm-hmm. turn our attention to the Jazz. Let's go. As we mentioned at the top of the podcast, they have their season opener on Wednesday, um, hosting the Oklahoma City Thunder. And this is the most anticipated Jazz season in 20 years. Yes. Um, the, there's so much buzz in the air about this team um, with how Donovan and Rudy and Joe uh, performed um, in the FIBA World Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh 
with the acquisitions that they made in the offseason, trading for Mike Conley, signing Bojan Bogdanovic, Jeff Green, Ed Davis. So much excitement right now. Royce O'Neal, I'm listening to like podcasts from like Doris Burke went and watched the Jazz Okay, last week, and she was on the Woj pod mm. on ESPN. She said she checked out the Jazz practice, and she just said two things stood out to her is the natural fit that Mike Conley is running the pick and roll mm-hmm. with Rudy Gobert. Like, first time that they had ever been on the court together. Yeah. They're running the pick and roll with so much efficiency that she was just shocked mm-hmm. to learn that it was the first time they played together. Second thing that stood out to her was Royce O'Neal. Wow. She's like, Royce O'Neal is a transformed player, and they are raving about him, the mm-hmm. work that he put in during the offseason, and he's going to be a major, major contender for this Jazz team, yeah. which is big because... Royce was really good in the playoffs last year against Houston. He was one of the most reliable players. He's a two-way player. Um, He's going to help with the perimeter defense that uh, the Jazz are going to have a little bit of a drop-off with. Mm -hmm. Um, Mike Conley's still a good defender. Ricky Rubio was a good defender, though, and um, uh, losing favors is going to hurt a little bit. But, yeah, I I think, and the Jazz are obviously undersized now, Mm -hmm. not having favors and um, losing Tabo and just some of the acquisitions they make. They're a more offensive-minded team with guys like Bojan and Joe. Um, So having Royce be effective and be able to get more minutes and Mm -hmm. kind of spell these guys a little bit, it's going to help out a lot. I'm really excited because, um, okay, so so preseason, the Jazz didn't have a quote-unquote good preseason, right? But it's preseason, who cares? I think it's of our opinion that it doesn't really matter. So, no one plays defense no, in the preseason. No one who cares, and yeah. like no one's going a hundred percent, honestly. But let me let's talk about some things we could take away from the preseason. One of the things that I I'm really excited about, and it goes with your offensive mindedness of the Jazz, is the Jazz are able to change the point of attack so easily um, in all of these preseason games, and um, they're able to have different players bring the ball up court, like not just Mike Conley, not just Donovan, not just Joe Ingles. Boyan can do it. Um, Jeff Green did it a little bit. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's really cool to see um, just the more versatility and flexibility of this new jazz offense, which, you know, if once we start playing actual defense during the season, which we'll be able to see really soon, um, we're going to see a more complete team, a more dangerous team, and I think that's that's why people that know basketball are super excited on the Jazz. And the thing is, too, is um, the Jazz uh, being able to, like you said, actually play defense and as they mm-hmm. continue to get acclimated to one another. I mean, you have Bojan coming into a new system, Mike Conley coming into a new system, Ed mm-hmm. Davis, Jeff Green, um, these are all guys that are learning Quinn Snyder's system. So there might be a couple bumps in the road for the, right. this first part of the season. Um, unfortunately, the Jazz have a lot of really tough games. Oklahoma right. City, um, you know, they're not the same Oklahoma City team, but they're still a potential playoff team. The Lakers mm-hmm. on Friday play the Clippers twice, but we might not see Paul George in those games. That, that's the thing is, like, we do have a lot of tough teams, but every team in the West is different this year, basically, except for, like, Portland and like Denver, but like everyone else is brand new. Mm -hmm. And so 
you, who's to say we're like not the only smash team that people. returns a lot of people is Denver. Denver's the yeah. only team that like kind of really keeps the same identity from last season. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I I I liked the moves that the Jazz made. Um, I'm not concerned about the struggles in the preseason, and frankly, I'm excited. But I I have a couple questions. Ooh. I want to ask you. Okay. We'll kind of debate this back and forth. Um, first thing I want to start with. Uh, I guess we kind of answered this already. Is the defense so far a concern? Uh, no. 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 Okay. Uh, who is going to be? Which player will be the biggest surprise? Ooh, I like this. Um, okay, I'll tell you first who I think it's going to be, and then I'll tell you who has been a surprise so far. Um. The person that I think will be a surprise is Dante Exum. Okay. I think he's going to play a lot this year, and I think he's going to stay healthy. And the th- the reason why I'm so excited and why I think it'll be a surprise is because Dante Exum, if you remember in the playoffs, was it the year before or was it last year? It was two years ago. He two didn't years play in the playoffs last okay. year. So two years ago, Dante Exum was key to the playoffs. He guarded mm-hmm. Harden. He was putting up big buckets. And I remember some huge dunks that he had. This was after Rubio got hurt. Mm-hmm. Just for context. Yep. And and those little flashes we saw a little bit through the season last year um, when he did make it to the court. And I think everyone's biggest frustration is he never plays because he's mm-hmm. always hurt. I think this year is going to be different. I think he's going to surprise people with how good he is. So I like that pick because, number one, I don't think that the Jazz are – and I don't think Dante is keyed into just filling the role of a point guard anymore. Right. With the number of ball handlers that you mentioned that the Jazz have, mm-hmm. he doesn't need to be a point guard anymore. They're yeah. just going to have him as a basketball player. He can defend He uh-huh. can defend three positions. He can bring the ball up the court. He, you know, he still needs to work on his shooting. Apparently, reports are saying that um, he worked a lot on his shooting just flat-footed cool. shooting from, like, the three-point line wow. a lot because he couldn't jump because of his injury. Uh-huh. Um, and then, you know, if he if he can play a wing that can kind of slash and score and create yes. and dish, then I think that's a really good position for him, maybe a two or a three. He has the size to do it. He has the yes. length to do it. And he's a crazy good athlete. Um, I just I, – I think that it would be in the best interest for everybody – if they do that, if they kind of make For him sure. a, posi- a positionless basketball player and just give him opportunities to create. And I think he's a little bit frustrated with how things are going. And so he's yeah. really hungry to prove himself that, hey, you know what? I'm worth the contract that yes. the Jazz put in. I'm worth that fifth round or that fifth overall pick that the Jazz spent on me. Yes. Let me get out there and prove what I'm worth. There's, I mean, there's a reason why the Jazz haven't let him go yet. Mm-hmm. And it's not just like a sunk cost thing. They really believe in this guy. They stake their claim on XM Island, baby. Yeah, and they and they think he's going to be great. And I, yeah. we look at him at Jazz Media Day this year. He looked happy. He was, like, dancing around, playing with the guys. He does feel like he's part of the team. And so I think all he needs is a chance to contribute. And I, like you said, having him play off ball, like, 80%, 90% of the time um, and having him be positionless, just free to roam, do, you know, make athletic plays, cut, whatever, like you said, um, I think it's going to serve him. Okay. And now, real quickly, I'll just move on to the guy that has been a surprise, Jeff Green. Yeah, Jeff Green for sure. Unbelievable. Like, he's 
I didn't think he would perform as well and as quickly as he has in these preseason games, but le- dude looks legit. Yeah. So it's it's no wonder that he slated like by ESPN to start um with having like Joe on the bench. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, I, I I've been really happy with Jeff Green. I wouldn't be surprised if he was like the surprise player. Um okay. but my guy I'm gonna take is actually gonna be Royce O'Neal. I know a lot of people are talking oh. about him, but I don't think I think we've seen Royce O'Neal and we know what he is, but I think that there's still another level that we haven't seen yet. Right. And I think it's, he's going to really impress us during the season. Um, he's another guy, you know, I, I think Jeff Green, he may get the start, but they might only play like five minutes before they rotate in. Right. Start I, mean, I don't know what they're going right. to do. Do they start with the death lineup with like Joe, Boyan, Rudy, Conley, and yeah. Donovan? Or do they try and get a little bit more length on the court with like Ed Davis or Jeff Green. Right. You know, we don't know what they're going to do. And it depends yet. on who they play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. but they have so many different pieces, especially like in, in this like eight or nine man rotation that yeah. um, they could, I mean, Royce could start. I'm That's be surprised true. if he started 20 games. For sure. Um, even if this team stays healthy. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Royce is going to surprise a lot of people with the work that he's put in during the offseason. I, I think he's going to be really, really good this season. Yeah. Um, Dark Horse, just because you mentioned two guys, I'm going to mention two guys. Do it. I think Emmanuel Moutier in the second unit, I'm not expecting a lot, but I wouldn't be surprised if he surprised us, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, it does. That's kind of a little bit of a cop-out, but um, I I think that he's been pretty good in the preseason that we've seen so far, and um, he's not this big, flashy name signing. Out of everyone that we've talked about... So far, in all that additions that they've made, this is the first we're talking about. Yeah, um, about Emmanuel Moutier. Yeah, and so um, I don't think that a lot's of expect a lot is expected out of him. But if he's able to come out and contribute on that second unit, mm-hmm. then it's a huge boost for the Jazz. And if he doesn't, then guess what? He just won't play. Yeah, because the Jazz are deep enough that they don't need him to play. Yeah, and this guy's good. Like people forget that. Like Emmanuel Moutier definitely has a chip on his shoulder, and so he'd like. Has something to prove, so very much a jazz man quality. And yeah, I, I think you're right. I think they're they're both um, going to contribute. And I think with like Royce O'Neal, like you're saying, the thing that we know who he is, we know what he's capable of. I think you're right. I think the thing that's going to surprise people is the steps he's taken in the off season. I think yeah. that's what it's going to be. Um, his improvement from season to season. Yeah. So next question I want to ask: Who is going to be the Jazz's leading scorer this year? Oh my goodness. I'm going to say Rudy Gobert. <laughs> really? Yeah. So you just think that why tell me why? Okay. Tell me why. I'm I'm so, curious. I want to hear. Okay. I just think it's going to be once they have everything dialed in, the pick and rolls, the movements, the the chemistry to gel, I think Rudy's going to have space to just wreak havoc in the paint and I I really think so. Um but, you know, that's kind of a hot take to say he's going to be the leading scorer, but I think he's going to I think he could. I, I'm just going to say that. Yeah, I think you need to be a little bit there. bold in these type of predictions. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm going to cop out. I'm just going to say Donovan. I think okay. Donovan paired up with Conley. He hasn't had a backcourt mate that's a playmaker the way he is. Joe, instead of being like the second option, he's now like fourth or fifth. Yeah. Um, Bojan Bogdanovich is going to take a lot of that load. Um, I don't think we're going to see Donovan force as many shots as he did because right. there were so many times that he would just force shots, force floaters. Um, he just 
I what I'd like to see more is him draw more contact when he's driving to the basket. Yes. Get more free throws so he's more efficient. His three point shot looks a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um and he's healthy during the offseason. He yes. was able to put in a full offseason of work, looked great during the FIBA World Cup. Um I think he t- takes the step and I wouldn't be surprised if he averaged like twenty seven, twenty eight points per game. Cool. And is more efficient. Yeah. But then again, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if the Jazz had like three guys that averaged twenty plus and yes. Rudy was the leader at twenty two, you yeah. know? Um What but, makes what makes that such a good question? Sorry to cut you off. It's just what makes that such a good question is just like the way the Jazz are structured now offensively, it's like anyone can score. Yeah. That's what the defenses are gonna be thinking. Well, this uh with the expectations that we have, this brings me to my next question. Yeah. Will the Jazz have an all-star this season? Yes. I think so. How many? Oof. How many is a good question. Um, okay, so I don't know if any point guards make it. I don't. I think Rudy has the best shot of being an all-star. Um, yeah, just one. Okay. Setting, just one? Setting our, my expectations really low. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just one. Rudy. It's been a while. It's been a couple of years since there's been an all-star from this Jazz team. Mm-hmm. I think there will be, yes, an all-star. I think there will be two all-stars. Ooh. I'm going to say, I, I thought at one point that there could be three with once Conley was added. I don't know that he's going to put up the numbers to warrant an all-star bid. Yes. Um, I do think that Donovan, with some of the injuries that have happened in the Western Conference, mm-hmm. some of the movement that's happened. Um, there are some spots that are opened up. So, like, okay, Clay's not going to play before the All-Star break. Right. So that opens up a, a backcourt spot. Um, And I think Donovan's probably the next guy to fill it. And okay. same with Katie leaving. Um, I would expect Rudy to maybe fill up that slot in the front court. Um, And... He should be an all-star over LaMarcus Aldridge this year. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Uh, but he should have been last year. So just do the right thing, okay? Do the right thing, do NBA, it. and get these guys an all-star bid. Uh, I'm going to go to two. Um, and with that, if Rudy makes an all-star team, his first all-star team, is he going to three-peat as the defensive player of the year this year? I don't see why he wouldn't, honestly. Okay. Because uh, the Jazz are going to make a deeper run in the postseason. I, this, I this think, is this yes. is voted on before the postseason. Okay. Yes, I know, but I think the Jazz are going to win like fifty three, fifty four games. Okay. Or the over under is fifty four, I believe. Okay. For their season win total, so I'm right on it. Um, are they going to go over that, or are you sticking with fifty four? You know, I'm going to pick the over. Okay, I'm going to take the over as well, and I think that's why. Who knows? We didn't see a lot of defense from the off uh, preseason, but I think Rudy's going to three-peat because he's going to put up huge numbers in the season, the regular season. I think he has a good opportunity, too, and the reason why is if the Jazz are a top defensive team, as they have been for the last several years underneath Quinn Snyder, mm-hmm. it's going to be because of Rudy's presence on the inside. Oh, sure. They're going to be Absolutely. able to focus on guarding the perimeter mm-hmm. and just leave leave the big man to do his thing in the paint. Yeah. Um the only way he doesn't do it is if Anthony Davis has a monster season, right. like an MVP caliber season in LA. Yeah. Um but he struggled with his health 
or if Joel Joel Embiid takes the leap. True. Or if Giannis takes another step and he's like better than he was last season. So those are the main contenders that I'd see because Paul George is going to be hurt at the beginning of the season. He's right. probably going to be limited. Same with Kawhi. Those guys are going to be on load ma- management and yep. the Clippers are deep enough that they don't need to play every night. So You bring up a good point. I think um, Giannis is probably the most the biggest threat to that. Because uh, Joel like takes plays off. Yeah, he struggled with staying in shape. People, yeah, people say he looks fat. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> being very frank about it. Yeah, but him I don't and Nikola Jokic are just eating <laughs> just freaking Gandalfo freaking... subs. <laughs> um, and then like I don't know, man, the Lakers still seem like a dumpster fire to me. But I don't know the organization. Yeah, and. Who knows who's gonna who isn't gonna play the jet against the like I don't know who's gonna play. Yeah, they have like, who knows? They have like four power forwards in their starting yeah. lineup. They're the they're the <laughs> Knicks of the West Coast, but everyone gives them a pass Sorry, because Mitch. they have AD and <laughs> LeBron. Yeah, so I don't know what they're gonna do. Anthony Davis would have to have a monster season and he'd have to play 76, 77 plus games yeah. in order to get that. And I just don't know if he has the body to do it. I think Rudy could play in all eighty two games if he uh, yeah, he, he, he played, played eighty one last year. Yes, and he still looked good in the FIBA World Cup. Like, yeah, so dude's getting stronger. Yeah, he's stronger. Um, I'm in. In order for the Jazz to do something special, like you said, you're expecting them to make a deep run. How deep do you expect them to go? Um, I think this is the year we get past the second round. I th- I really think so. So Western Conference Finals, do they advance? I don't. Past the Western I, don't Conference I haven't decided Finals? yet. Um. Still, the Western Conference is still a big unknown, really. It's like nine months away, or six months away before yeah. we can even sort this out. Yeah, so I don't know, but I do think we get past the second round. That's a conservative take on my part. All right. Okay, so we got we both got the over for 54. Both have the Jazz at least going to the Western Conference Finals. I don't know yet either. Yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah, but I think that's all we got for uh, for the Jazz. Um, we're cutting this one short because Hema has got to wake up in a few hours to go jump on a plane, mm-hmm. um, doing a solid for his for his uncle. And uh, yeah, we appreciate what you're doing. Um, a little bit shorter pod, but we'll be back midweek. We're going to try and record a couple episodes this week. Oh, for sure. During the week, we are finally going to bring on Kyle Ireland. He yes. doesn't know it yet. We'll but have a few guests. We're going to kidnap him. We're going to do some guests. We're going to talk a little bit more. About this big BYU win over the weekend, uh, what our expectations are for Utah moving forward, and um, what we think Utah State can accomplish now that these grad transfers are back. So yep. uh, that's everything we got for tonight. We'll recap also the Jazz opener mm-hmm. later this week and Real Salt Lake's playoff game against Seattle. So shout out to the boys uh, from Rio Tinto. Uh, yep. We'll be back later this week. Thanks for listening to this shortened version. But deliciously juicy version of the Sports Beat After Hours podcast. I am your host, Hemi Mooley Jr. He is your other host, Zachary Hicken. Good night, everybody.